0: Happy Friday, welcome to minute sixty five The great Escape Minute, The daily podcast where we dig into the great Escape one minute at a time i'm Tom and, and I'm Rob and joining us to close out the week is Richard kirkham for of Kirkham a movie a day and he's also the host of the Lamb cast how are you doing today
1: I'm doing great Day five. This is the capper.
0: Yes, we want to thank you for joining us all week here. Um, minute 65 starts with Big X saying, you get 10 out of 10 for this old boy. And it ends with Bates again saying, the goons would have a field day if they crashed. And we will find out the end of that sentence on Monday. So this minute here, we kind of wrap up the Forger's Party. And, and everyone's just... Very much impressed with what Henley was able to get his hands on and they ask him where he got it, which seems like a silly thing to ask a scrounger, but and I, I love Henley's response. He says you stops and then says, It's on loan. What was he going to say with you? I I mean, is he gonna say you don't wanna know? You wouldn't believe me if I told you, like what is he what is he thinking he was going to say there? Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: I think he could have said either of those things, but he also wanted to say I'm going to need it back without saying I'm going to need it back. So he's got a, He switched and said it's on loan. And you know, he, he's just a kind of a wise guy. He's not quite the, the smartass that some of the other characters are, but he definitely has that American sense of humor. So uh, he's gonna he's gonna find a euphemism. As a way of uh, conveying to everybody what's going on here, uh, it's important where I got it, but not important that you know where I got it. But it is important that you know I need it back. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> this is, it's, again, this is this is just my opinion. Uh, a screenwriting ploy. You know, he, they they're, they're just you know trying to add a little bit of humor into the whole thing by by him saying, "Oh, it's on loan," because obviously anyone who hasn't seen this before doesn't know what that really means for those of us who've seen it know know what what he's angling here you know what what he's trying to say I, I i think it's just a a way to to end this particular scene you know by leaving us hanging a little bit by saying it's on loan meaning say mean that okay we're not done with this right you know be prepared that this is going to come up again <laughs> that that's what i
0: think well and the other laugh at is you know my experience in the military is when you you know your you know either staff NCO or your oic says i need x y and z once you get x y and z they don't ask you where you got it or at least the ones with some experience in the good staff nco and and officers just don't ask questions that they don't need or don't want the answers to i I cannot count how many times I've acquired things that we needed for an inspection or something like that. And it's like, nope, it's there. It wasn't there yesterday. It's there today. Don't worry about where it came from, sir. Just accept the fact (laughs) it's there and let's move on with this. So I did laugh at Big X asking, where did he get it?
2: Right. Okay, but maybe maybe it has to do with the fact that they're 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 in different branches of service, you know. True. Or different, you know. He he knows that, that different
1: nationalities. Uh, he's a Brit.
2: No, but 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 Henley's still in the RAF. He's in the American American Eagle Squadron. Yeah. But he's he's still he's still in the RAF. But maybe you know the Americans do things differently. Maybe maybe this is very proper British that they they don't you know look for 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 things. Uh, you know, maybe in in, in the RAF, if you find something you 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 put up a notice and say, okay, who lost the canteen? You Wait, dairy drift isn't a gift in the British military? That seems silly. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. I'm just. Uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to look at it from another perspective that no, maybe, you know, I'm trying to, that, that Roger's giving you the benefit of the doubt.
1: There's, no, <laughs> there's less need for plausible deniability in the British uh, military than there is in the American
0: military. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, so once we get that, we move inside a different barracks room and we get a scene with Griffith explaining to Roger all the different things they can do with the service jackets which I am relatively impressed with in part because making it, I just, I find making a double-breasted suit out of a non-double-breasted jacket to be fairly impressive unless you're taking a big guy on base and making a jacket for a little guy on base.
2: Right. I mean, the, 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 it's it's interesting the way that they show this you know that he's he's basically it, it, it makes it seem as if roger's in you know a clothing store you know he's walked into the clothing store he's talking to the to to to, to the seller or maybe it's the tailor himself or whatever and he's basically saying okay uh, what, what do you have to offer me and he said well you know i can i you know i can take what you have and make it a double-breasted suit i can make it a single breasted suit i can make it a lounge suit now i i had no idea what a lounge suit is do either of you have any idea what a lounge suit is? No.
1: It's I mean, pro- uh, it's, it's it, probably yeah. similar to a uh, leisure suit. You know, it's. Um, I think it's a style that was typical in Europe uh, years ago, but you're not going to find it much uh, anymore. It's a little bit like that uh, robe that uh, Sean Connery wore at the beginning of Goldfinger when he's in Miami. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, this whole scene is basically uh, exposition to explain something that we might be curious about, but we we're not that curious about. And uh, he does a nice job quickly running us through all of the details about how this could be done quickly. And uh, you're right, it's sort of like he's in a men's shop doing this. Uh, yeah.
2: Now I looked up what a what our suit is because I was very curious, and it's it's apparently an informal type of suit. But a gentleman would always want to look his best, so they were still reasonably smart. <laughs> and they said, for working-class men, a lounge suit would be their Sunday best. So, okay. you know, I guess that's, that's what, that's what you know, working-class men would wear to church. That's basically what they're saying here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, obviously, this comes up later, the whole idea of, of them taking, you know, their, their uniforms and, and recutting them. The book also goes into much detail about this whole thing. So this is something that they really did. The tailor they had was really able to take all of their their uniforms and and find ways of of uh, making them look like like suits, like uh, you know, typical German civilian clothes. And and I mean we're we'll, we'll discuss uh, I mean he keeps discussing he goes on and discusses about the lapels, how he can change the lapels and stuff like that. I mean, so, uh, apparently Griffiths must must have been a uh, you know uh, a tailor in 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 civilian life. You know, so, I don't think I don't think he was in the. I'm trying to remember what 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 it's called. You know, I, I don't think he was the
1: quartermaster corps.
2: Thank you. I don't think he was in the quartermaster corps because again he's a pilot, and uh, maybe he went out for a ride too, like uh, Colin, you know, and got
0: shot down. I had to laugh though during this whole scene because it gives gave me flashbacks. So. When I got married, my wife took me to the tux shop to pick out tuxes for the groomsmen and stuff. And the guy at the shop was giving me the rundown of what different tux styles they have. And I swear I must have just glazed over like a deer in a headlights when he was talking about these things. <laughs> he looks at me and goes, this suit, um, Sean Connery bond. And There you go. It, it immediately once he started telling me which bonds wore which suits, it automatically clicked for me and I just watching Griffith do the different things with the suits just made me think about that like oh no, Roger clearly doesn 't care about fashion, so I need to sit here and show him this is what the double breasted jacket looks like this is single breasted this obviously Roger probably knows what a double breasted jacket looks like, but it gives that exposition to to well, but even in the '60s, I have to feel like most people would have a pretty good idea of what these things looked like. So interesting, they did. What do you mean? What do you mean?
2: Even in the '60s, I think, especially in the '60s, especially in in the '40s. I mean, this was you know
0: back, back during World War II, people wore right. suits much oh, the more movie... than
2: people do. You know, it
0: was, it, there wasn't the casual. Right, but even in the Wednesday '60s, I'm saying when the movie came out, there would still be the a better knowledge of what suit cuts were what than there is today. It was right. more my true. point. It was yeah, it's right. not as strong as in the '40s, but still much stronger than today. Because '60s was when that casual was really more coming into style. Right.
2: I mean, I think I think Roger. Does know that the various cuts, but the idea here is to show that we can take a a, a, a typical uniform and turn and, and transform them into these civilian, you know, clothes.
1: Yeah, not everybody um, will know, look the same coming out of the tunnel. They're going to look different, and we want diversity of appearance so that we can pass in the civilian population when we're you know, outside the camp. They they need this kind of variety,
2: no. especially when they're all probably have so much dirt on them. <laughs> from coming out of the tunnel, but that's a separate issue. This, this movie doesn't deal with dirt. I mean, come on, Henley. Henley, uh, we, we've discussed this in the past. Henley's sweater looks really clean. You know, he's got a white uh, turtleneck. turtleneck. Thank you. Yeah, he's got a, a, right, a white turtleneck. <laughs> There's no way that think about it. He 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 bailed out of his plane, landed somewhere, got captured. <laughs> he's been in a prison camp for X amount of time, and it's all still white. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's, that's impressive. <laughs> and and the, the I mean, like I had heard of double breast. I know what a double breast suit and a single breast suit is. As I said, I didn't know what a lounge suit is. But when you talk about lapels, I didn't know anything about that. I don't know what a deep lapel is or a high lapel. And and basically, Roger doesn't care either because he just cuts them off. <laughs> he goes, and he says, what about the buttons? <laughs> like, like stop telling me about lapels. I don't care about lapels. <laughs> what about the buttons?
1: And out comes the bucket of buttons. <laughs> and that's exactly. the one that I'm curious about because if you're, if you've got a suit, you've got to have at least three buttons that match. And I don't know where you get all the buttons that are going to match. Uh, if you're going to fool people, they, they have to, there has to be some uniformity in a way that the clothes are put together. You can't have, uh, three different button styles on your jacket. Uh, and have people say, "Oh yeah, that's a suit that the guy got down at uh, the shop there on Hildorf or whatever the name of the streets are." <laughs> uh, they, they've got to have they've got to have some consistency. And he's got a whole jar of buckets, uh, a jar full of buttons. And I'm just wondering, is is this? It's kind of a depressing thought. Are these the uh, buttons off of the dead officers over the years? No, but
2: again, they, they mentioned these are civilian
1: buttons. Yeah, but the, yeah, but some of the buttons off of the suits, off of the uniforms, would probably pass. just depends on what kind of uniform you were wearing. Obviously, if you've got a brass button, that's not going to work. Or if you've got something with an insignia on it.
0: Right, but, and uh, the RAF jackets that a lot of the officers are wearing in the movie, it doesn't seem like most of them have it, but the Buttons on the uniforms had, like an embossed, like crown and eagle on them for the RAF uniforms. So you'd have to. Grind you probably up. didn't want to
2: walk around Germany with those, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, so these I mean, buttons had to come from somewhere. I'm just curious where they came from. Okay. Again, the book the book
2: does describe it. The book goes into to much more detail about how they got the buttons. They they made cuts with with many of the guards they bribed with so many things and 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 it's funny when i was reading it it reminded me of of shawshank you know with the way that that you know they talk about how you can pretty much get anything for a price and that that's what came down to you know they said that there was there was this uh private who was able to they even persuaded him to bring in a pair of pliers for them to use and they paid him in chocolate
0: (laughs) i can imagine that to a certain extent you can get some sort of sewing kit that has buttons on it to some level just in a red cross you know you're in pow camps. eventually buttons are going to fall off you're going to need replacement so you can store up some of that but you're going to need to get outside help to get massive amounts of matching buttons that correct sure. yeah so it makes sure. sense they but... bribe off guards but
2: yeah, and they—I mean—the book goes, goes even a little further to explain that that this particular guard had they—they them with they, they gave him the chocolate for the pliers, they they had him sign a receipt for the chocolate, and they yeah. used that as leverage uh, to get him th- to bring in so many other things. He brought in passes, money, files, maps, tools, and even German uniform buttons and badges. You know, they they really got him just for that. So. I mean, there, there, were, there were ways for them to, 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 to get all these things. The, the whole question then is, is that, uh, as, as you mentioned earlier, you know, you, you need to have matching buttons. So, you know, if, if you're going to bribe someone to bring in buttons, how many buttons are you going to get them to bring? You know, bring in three buttons, bring in ten buttons. It shows that they, 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 were, they, they knew how to get, get things when they needed to.
1: Somebody was definitely resourceful.
2: Yes, they were very resourceful. Did you, you notice right after they talk about the buttons, we get to see another slick in the wall?
0: Yes, and I had – this seems like a really big slick in the wall.
2: Okay, but we've discussed this in the past. I mean, the book describes it, that they would build fake walls. This is a fake wall. This isn't just a slick. Right. This, I... The room is smaller because they, they, they built this fake wall that when the Germans would come in, they wouldn't even notice you know, I mean, he keeps it open, which is really
0: fun also. Right, but we also uh, discussed there's a limit. He basically a, built the closet. Right, but we've discussed there's a limit on how big you can make it. You can make the – how much smaller you can make the room before someone notices. And it seems awfully big because he, he basically – it's hard to tell exactly from the camera angle, but he pretty much turns around in it. And it also seems re- deeper than the room. He made a closet. He has a walk-in right. closet. <laughs> but, <laughs> the, right. first, the first the walk-in closet in history. Yes, because it seems to go past the end of the room and into what I assume must be the hallway. So did they make the hallway shorter, too?
2: It depends on the camera angle. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that's what it comes down to. Well, it looks
1: like it's at arm's depth, because that's as far as he goes into it. Right, he, he doesn't actually go into it and walk in. He doesn't go.
2: He doesn't go into it, but but by looking at what you know what he has in there, should should say. I mean, he has things hanging up. It's not as if he's just a pile of clothes in there. It's all
0: neatly uh, piled up, uh, neatly hanging in there. Right, he's got at least two lines in there. The top line looks empty, but it's vibrating. So maybe the
1: yeah, no. Top. You know the stuff's hanging on it, but it's not hanging on hangers. It's just uh, draped over things. True. Yes. Uh, no. They, they have, have a. Hand. They have that a clothes. the size have... of it.
2: They have a clothesline with the stuff hanging on it. Yeah. Right.
0: That's what it actually looks. Yeah. It's It's hard to tell how deep it is. It might be the lighting, because it looks like the far end of it's lit, which makes it look deeper than maybe it actually is. But they just had it for camera purposes. That's.
2: Yeah. Which, which we discussed a few weeks ago about the, the lighting in, in the German POW camp, you know, how, yes. how they, they really had good, good uh, cinematic lighting.
1: Yeah, well, the light makes it look like it's a corner and there's a closet instead of it just being the wall, but uh, I think you're right. It is this, you know, the, like, what'd you call it? A slit in the wall that they've got uh, a fake wall here that goes all the way to the end. We can't really tell, uh, you know, it, it goes the width of the room, at least. That's the way it seems. And I
2: I love the way that Griff compliments himself on, on uh, you know, he he says he, he can dye it. He, he had a, a bottle of blue ink and he dyed it. And he goes, looks rather good, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, I'm so proud of myself for being able to do that.
1: It'll pass. It'll
0: pass. Uh, par- it doesn't... It looks more, I mean, it's hard to tell which color it is just because of the way the shadows are. But it definitely, I think of the one he dyed blue looks far more black than blue. But...
1: No, it looks blue to me. Was Roger holding the blue one and uh, he had the black one? No, Roger's also holding But Roger's, actually,
2: the the color of the suit that Roger's holding is very similar to the color of, of Roger's uniform. Right. That blends in. But what Griff is holding. Griff is holding something that is definitely darker blue. There's no question about that.
0: It's substantially darker. So, wow! Well, like I said before, I was an eight-color box of crayons kid growing up, so <laughs> choosing colors is not my strong. No, I understand. I'm, I'm,
2: I'm, uh, I I, I, the, the, I saw something recently about you know showing the the way that men see colors and women see colors. <laughs> I, you know, and it showed you know men men the colors are as you said the eight colors. And then women see colors, and uh, you know goes into to much more detail.
1: Yeah, what color of, dress uh, is it that
0: we're looking at? Remember,
1: is that the gold dress or is it uh, blue? Do you, was that? Do you remember that? Uh, I do. Thing from a few years ago.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, Rob, do you have anything else for this minute? No, I think I think I'm done for the week. Richard, you got anything else for this week, or anything you want to say about the movie as a whole?
1: Oh, I'll just say that the movie is great and I look forward to listening to all of the episodes that you get to, although that's a lot of damn minutes that we're covering here because it's a long movie. <laughs> no, but it's only one minute a day.
2: Yeah, it's only, it's, it's only
1: you know, you don't have to listen,
2: to, you're not listening to all of them at
1: once. Yes, that's true. How oh. many days is that going to be? We're going to have at least a year almost. 172, 172. days. No, nope, not a year. Oh, that's half a year, half a year.
2: Thirty, thirty five weeks. But we know that you're going to persevere just like everyone else is listening and just like we did. We'll see. will. <laughs> we'll see how it all comes out.
0: Well, thank you for joining us all week, Richard. You want to tell everyone where they can find you one last time?
1: Sure, one more time. I can be found at Kirkham A Movie A Day. That's my personal blog. And uh, you can also locate me at the uh, site of the Lamb, the Large Association of Movie Blogs, at com where I uh, am the host of the the weekly podcast. We call it the LambCast. And anybody who's interested in joining us, feel free to email us. Uh, we're happy to have new blood.
0: All right. Well, while you're checking that out, go ahead and well, while you're checking out the LambCast and subscribing to that, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast and give us a five-star review. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us. Uh, our email address is... minute at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter at great escape mxm or you can join our facebook group the cooler or you can just go ahead and check out our website thegreatescapeminute.com until monday tally ho tally ho tally ho